Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, we're ready to kick back, relax, and chill out while enjoying an entire month of summertime sweets. If the temperature keeps rising and you're starting to simmer, don't panic. We've got solutions for easy bakes that are best after spending some time in your freezer. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, we are kicking off a whole month of chilled out recipes. This might be one of my favorite theme months ever. I love the name. I'm very excited about it. It fits perfectly for this time of year and also the way I need to feel right now. Mm. I need someone to tell me to relax. So it's perfect. It's a twofer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and one of the reasons we picked it is because in the U.S., July is National Ice Cream Month. Yes, in 1984. President Ronald Reagan designated July as National Ice Cream Month. And if that wasn't enough, the third Sunday of the month is National Ice Cream Day, and that will be July 19th this year. And so in true preheated fashion, we thought that we would run down some we've done on the show before. Previously on Preheated. (laughs) (laughs) Never fails to crack me up. No, no, we amuse ourselves. (laughs) Back in June of 2017, you might remember, we devoted a whole month to ice cream, and that included Mm. episode 30, the roasted strawberry buttermilk, episode 31, the agave sweetened chocolate, and episode 32, the spicy peanut butter ice cream. Oh, what a great month that was. And you know, often people find our website or our show through that roasted strawberry buttermilk ice cream. Oh, it's a big hit. I know I made some recently. That ice cream never fails to surprise and delight me. Then more recently, in episode 80, we made the Simply Chocolate Ice Cream with the Rocky Road Mix-Ins. And Andrea, I just made that one myself. It is great as a classic chocolate. And then you can also judge it up, as they say. And that's what we did with the Rocky Road. And then the following week, in episode 81, we did the Tahini Chocolate Banana Soft Serve. Andrea, that was really one of the first times we had put tahini, sesame seed paste, into a bake and that turned out really well. I think we both liked that one. We did and I'm so glad this one was on the list because when we were making our black sesame seed cookies yes, last month in our Japanese sweets month, right? I was thinking to myself, oh, there's something else we made with sesame seeds that turned out to be a real shocker surprise. And now I'm remembering it was that tahini chocolate banana ice cream that was so good. It was. And then in episode 133, we had our cookie dough ice cream sandwiches, and that was sort of a fun twist on our traditional ice cream theme. Yeah, yeah. That was last summer already. I can't believe it's been I know. Uh I know. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Time does fly. Well, if that's not inspiration enough, we are kicking off our first week of chilled out month with yet another ice cream. And Andrea, this one sounds like it might just be classic Hall of Fame preheated winner. It is a no-churn, fresh lemon ice cream with candied sesame seeds. It is from Dory Sanders, and you found this in Parade Magazine, which is an insert in the Sunday newspapers in the States. 
I think I can tell some of the reasons, which I've just outlined in that title, about why you chose this one to kick it off. But tell us a little bit more about this recipe, Andrea. Well, before I talk about the recipe, we must discuss Parade Magazine. Did you <laughs> please? Did you read that as a child growing up? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. it just came with the Sunday inserts and was kind of like celebrity gossip, recipes. What else did it have in there? I mean, it wasn't like hard-hitting news. Uh, the most important thing, ask Marilyn. Oh, Remember? my gosh, Marilyn Vos-Savant, of course. Yes. <laughs> How can I forget? That was my favorite part. So on Sunday mornings, I would read the Ask Marilyn. Mm -hmm. You know, it was usually some sort of logic puzzle or twister. And then she would give the answer. And she yeah. almost always picked logic puzzles that were commonly misunderstood or where most people would guess the wrong answer. And then she would explain the right answer. Okay. And I would then struggle for the next several hours oh, because I would always guess the wrong answer and be like, but it just doesn't make sense. I really want to go with this answer. So yes, Parade Magazine and Marilyn occupied a large portion of my Sunday childhoods. Yes. And you know, Marilyn was billed as the world's smartest woman. I know. Does she still hold it? Does she still do that column? <laughs> I mean, here, we don't have Parade Magazine in the UK. Is it still your heavy rotation on your weekend reading? You know, I don't get the physical paper anymore. I get the digital subscription. And I have n seen sometimes that there's something about there being a parade, but I haven't figured out how to click on it. So I can't mm. answer whether or okay. not Marilyn is still the world's smartest woman or if someone else has triumphed over her. Yes. Listeners, give us some help. Let us know. <laughs> well, would Marilyn love this ice cream? One can only imagine so. <laughs> I was just going to say, speaking of a real smart woman, uh huh. this recipe comes from Dory Sanders, and it comes from Food 52's cookbook called Genius Desserts. Oh my gosh, look at that segue. We didn't even plan it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stefan. You probably guessed accurately why I picked this. So number one, lemon, my absolute favorite flavor, especially in the summertime. Yes. Number two, no churn. Yeah. Both you and I do have our Cuisinart ice cream makers, but we know a lot of our listeners don't. And so we thought it'd be really nice for them to have a recipe that they could participate in with as well. Just a quick note there, Andrea, too, as far as those Cuisinart models, we had a quick conversation with listener Beth over on our website earlier in the summer, at the beginning of summer, and she was asking more about the models that we have. And mine is going on 20 years old now. Wow. But the modern equivalent is the Cuisinart Pure Indulgence, and it's a two-quart automatic. And she had mentioned, Beth had mentioned that they are pretty much sold out. Lots of people may be making ice cream during more time at home. So that's another great reason to have a no-churn, even if, you know, you do have an electric churn or have always wanted to get one, this recipe is not going to stand in your way. You can do it without. That's a really good point. What I especially liked about this recipe is it had the additional step of the candied sesame seeds. Mm. Speaking again of those black sesame seed cookies, I still had some black sesame seeds left over. Yep. Now this recipe calls for white sesame seeds, but I knew how much I love that sesame flavor. So when I pick the recipe, that is one of the reasons why I picked it. So let's run down the ingredients and talk about maybe what we have or what we don't have or what we need to get. The ice cream is pretty straightforward. It's got one cup of sugar, a tablespoon of finely grated lemon zest, a quarter cup of fresh lemon juice, an eighth a teaspoon of fine sea salt, a cup of heavy cream, and a cup of milk. And Stefan, I will use whole milk when I'm making ice cream. 
I mentioned to you that my daughter recently switched to 2% milk, but I'm going to go out and actually buy some whole milk. I feel like it's really going to make the difference in this ice cream. How about you on those ice cream ingredients? Anything tricky for you to get? Nothing tricky to get, absolutely. All pantry staples. In fact, it's another one of those recipes that I am thrilled to know I have everything. I can just run down and make it right away. I love that about it. I would caution or remind everyone to juice your lemon before you zest it. We've said it again. (laughs) We've said it before. We'll say it again. It's nearly impossible to do it in reverse order. Andrea, because I've been making my homemade kefir inspired by our sweet and sour month of April, I almost always have whole milk in the house now because Ah. I find my kefir works best with the whole milk. That's what I'll be using here as well as that cup of heavy cream. Yeah, that sounds really good. You're really just putting this together very easily, whisking it all together, adding the sugar, zest, juice, and salt, and then whisking your cream and milk, gradually pouring it in until the sugar dissolves. And then here's your no-churn technique. Pour mixture into an 8-inch square metal baking pan, cover tightly with foil, and freeze 2 to 3 hours until it's solid around the edges and mushy in the middle, at which point you will take it out, stir it, cover and freeze another one to two or until completely firm. You know, that's just important. Obviously, it it sounds obvious, but ice cream is not something you can whip <laughs> up so quickly. You usually have at least some kind of, of waiting and freezing time. I do like my ice cream a little bit softer, so I'm okay if it's not completely frozen all the way throughout. And don't you find, Andrea, too, that homemade ice cream, just in general, it is a little bit softer? And maybe that's because there's no artificial thickeners or what have you. I just find that in general, it's a little softer and takes a little longer to hard set. I find that that is true in the beginning. And then I find the opposite is true the next day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I make my ice cream and I scoop it from the ice cream maker and I originally serve it. It's nice and soft and just the way I want it. And then I pack it into those craft cardboard containers, the circular ones. I actually buy a coffee bean that comes in those. So I just reuse those. And then the next day, it is hard as a rock. I, you know, a lot of times people recommend, oh, pull your Mm -hmm. ice cream out 10 minutes before you're going to scoop it. I have to with homemade ice cream or else I can't even get it out of the container. And maybe because you know how good it is, it's that much more excruciating to wait for. (laughs) Maybe you feel time differently. (laughs) The other thing that surprised me a little bit about the ice cream ingredients, I don't do a lot of no-churn. I almost always make my ice cream either using a David Leibovitz recipe or a Jenny's ice cream recipe. Mm -hmm. And those involve you know, heating and stirring and thickening on the stove, the times I've done a no-churn, they typically involved a can of condensed milk. Mm. So I was really surprised to see that this is also a no-bake, you know, you're not having to heat it on the stove, but it doesn't have any condensed milk. So I'm really curious how this is going to turn out. I've never done a no-churn quite like this. And you know, one thing that is interesting to me is that you are putting a quarter cup of lemon juice, that's a pretty substantial amount, into all this dairy. And so the first thing that comes to my mind was, like, is that going to curdle? Maybe it's that buttermilk ice cream. (laughs) There you go. Right. (laughs) I am fascinated by this. And another reason I'm fascinated is it has this nice little add-on here, which is just a nice extra to do, and that's these candied sesame seeds. That's a half a cup of sugar, a half a cup of water, and one cup, as Andrea just said, it calls for white sesame seeds. But if you have some knocking around from our black sesame cookies during June, then by all means, use them up. Andrea, this is kind of like a brittle maybe? What are you expecting this to be? That's what I'm expecting it to be a little bit of 
a sesame seed bark type situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And we should probably do our PSA here. You're going to be boiling sugar. And when you're boiling sugar, please boil sugar and don't answer your phone and don't answer the door and really pay attention to what you're doing because you will have a bad burn if that gets on your skin or anything accidental happens there. So just set that time aside for making your candied sesame seeds. And this is a different type recipe, once again, in making the candied sesame seeds. I don't have a lot of experience making candied nuts, Mm -mm. but I do make those pistachio nut bark every summer. I've been making ever since listener Jennifer pointed that one our way. Oh, yeah. The spicy one. Yes, I love, I put that hatch chili powder in it. Yes. In that particular recipe, I use a saucepan with high sides because the sugar and water is going to boil up. Mm -hmm. It looks like in this recipe, it's calling for a wide saucepan. So I'm getting the idea that it's not necessarily going to boil high up on the sides, but rather you want it spread out thinly. So all you're going to do is combine that sugar and water in that wide saucepan over high heat. It will just start to bubble. Then you're going to stir in your sesame seeds. And then it says cook five to 10 minutes, stirring constantly until the water evaporates Mm. and the surface of the seeds turns dry and powdery and barely golden. It's just very unusual. Right. I mean, I think opposed to the high sides, if you were making a caramel or something, you're looking for all of the water there to evaporate Mm -hmm. and be absorbed by the seeds. Yeah. Yeah, this is unlike anything that I've done before. And I'm not a big candy making person, but maybe this is a technique that's used in a different type of candy. I think it's going to ultimately just be a really nice garnish for your homemade ice cream. I do want to point out that she recommends you have a parchment-lined baking sheet ready to go. Yeah. And you definitely want to get that ready before you start heating your sugar and water because... In my experience, anything that involves sugar and water can go from being done Mm. to being burned in a matter of seconds. So the minute you decide to pull it off of the heat, I think it wants to go right into that parchment-lined pan. Then you want to cool it completely and break up any big clumps. It says you can store it in an airtight container. And I think that's going to be important because if you look at the quantities, the ice cream recipe makes three cups of ice cream, but the sesame seed recipe makes one pint. Mm -hmm. So unless you're really drenching your ice cream with the sesame bark, you're going to have some left over. Got it. Yeah. Or maybe you'll just be snacking on that. Maybe that's how good it's going to be. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. even think about that. I know. Yes. Maybe it's going to work just great by itself. I can't wait for this. I always love to have a new ice cream as we are heading into summertime. The bonus being it is lemon. The bonus being it is a no churn. Really looking forward to this one. Remember, we'll have a link to all of the recipes we've talked about today in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 184, on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Facebook listeners group. Andrea, in this chilled out month, we're talking about desserts that require a freezer as part of baking or assembling. But I know you also like using your freezer as an accessory or aid to baking. Am I correct? Yes, you are. In fact, you might recall that one of my 20 for 20 baking resolutions was have more cookies in the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) I made this resolution so I'd always be able to pull a few unbaked cookies out of the freezer and satisfy an impromptu dessert urge without needing to make the dough and then cook batch after batch of cookies. It's also nice to be able to make one small batch of cookies in the summertime when you don't want to heat your oven for too long. That may be my favorite resolution of all time. It's just so delightful. (laughs) And how is it going for you? 
I'd like to take a second to brag, Stefan. <laughs> I'm doing really well on this resolution. So proud of you. <laughs> Largely due to isolation baking. Yeah. These days when I make a cookie recipe, I either cut the recipe in half or in quarters because we're not mm-hmm. going out, we're not seeing people, so I don't have an easy way to give my baked goods away. Yeah. But just as often, I go ahead and make the full recipe and then I freeze half of it so it's ready and waiting for me later on. Okay, so point of clarification needed. Are you freezing the dough and then baking them as needed, or are you freezing the cookies after they're baked? Oh, yeah, mostly the former. I feel like the dough takes up less room and it's less fragile, so I worry about it less in my freezer. And there's also nothing that beats a warm cookie straight from the oven. One of the champions on the frozen dough front for me so far has been the double ginger spelt cookies we made back in episode 167. Oh yes, my blue ribbon winner from Flower Power Month. Those fall into the slice and bake category, which is having something of a renaissance on preheated this year. (laughs) Yes, and I've noticed no loss of flavor, whether I bake them fresh or from the freezer. I can also recommend freezing the Earl Grey shortbread from episode 61 and the soft and chewy molasses cookie all the way back from episode 7. As a general rule, any cookie with a nice thick dough rather than a runny or a liquidy dough, will freeze just fine. You may need one to two more minutes when you're baking, of course, than if you hadn't frozen them. What about you, Stefan? Do you have any freezer favorites when it comes to cookies? I find that the recipes I freeze are the ones that make a massive batch of dough. For example, I love King Arthur Flowers monster cookies from their Cookie Companion cookbook, but it makes a, you guessed it, monster batch. (laughs) Ditto one of my favorite urban legend cookies, the homemade Mrs. Fields cookies. I think the original recipe on that makes 12 dozen or something insane, and much as I love them, I rarely need 144 cookies (laughs) at one time. Need is (laughs) such an ugly word. (laughs) Andrea, let's run through some tips on how to best freeze that dough. Okay. When I'm baking to freeze, I follow the regular recipe until I get to the step about placing the cookies on the cookie sheet. I do place parchment on my sheet, and instead of leaving space between the cookies like you would normally do, I drop the cookies from the scoop as closely together as I can get them without touching, right on top of the parchment. Then I flash freeze them, usually for about 30 minutes to one hour before vacuum sealing them. If you don't have a vacuum sealer, you can place them in a regular Ziploc bag. For slice and bake cookies, I wrap them tightly in two layers of plastic wrap. And don't forget to label the cookie with the name and the date. I have found this to be very important. Mystery. It's amazing how much a mysterious log of cookie dough can look like other things (laughs) when pulled from the depths of your freezer. I use the flash freeze Ziploc method for my dough and would just caution that it's important to make sure they're really well frozen since the last thing you want is for your cookies to stick together once they're all mingling in the bag. And the dates are important since you want to bake these within about two months, if not sooner. But Andrea, what about already baked cookies? Do you freeze those as well? And this is where I think cookie bars really shine. The sugar cookie bars from episode 44 and the Biscoff cookie bars from episode 132 are two that bake and then freeze really well. Mm. I've already talked about using my freezer for cookies to satisfy impromptu dessert urges without any work. Mm -hmm. But this is when I'm using my freezer for self-control when it comes to bar cookies. Oh, (laughs) I know. We often say that it's hard to keep a whole pan of brownies in the house without eating all of them. It's so true. 
but it's unlikely I'd defrost a whole pan of bar cookies when the urge hits me just to have one. Speaking of just one, remember the emergency brownie from Nigella in episode 161? Ugh, proving I can't keep even one or two brownies in the house without eating them. <laughs> I also use my freezer as a way of prepping for big projects or baking in bulk. Especially for the holidays, I do bake ahead and then freeze sugar cookies and gingerbread cookies, without their frosting, of course. Mm -hmm. I place those in shallow, see-through, disposable containers with lids so I can stack them. The Rubbermaid 2.5 gallon is my personal favorite. As a general rule, though, I don't freeze already baked cookies as often as I freeze unbaked one. Mainly because I like that idea that I can have a sudden urge for a cookie, break out a few, bake them, and have hot, freshly baked cookies right away. Now, Andrea, I know you are a huge fan of the lemon bars from episode 71, but I'm guessing because you didn't mention those, it's because of the high egg content? Yes, you're right, Stefan. Remember, that's the recipe from Stella Parks that called for 11 eggs. <laughs> 11 <laughs> I'm nervous about freezing any dessert with that many eggs, yeah. especially when you're relying on that silky smooth texture of those bars. I probably also wouldn't freeze a very delicate dessert or something that requires on a lot of cream to make it light and fluffy. Yeah, good point. So what else besides cookies and cookie dough have you found that is a good dessert to freeze? Well, perhaps this goes without saying, but anything that uses ice cream. Ice cream sandwiches are fun to make ahead of time and freeze, whether you use homemade cookies or store-bought. Popsicles, bonbons, or my favorite, bananas dipped in chocolate. I love having a batch of homemade ice cream sandwiches ready to go in the freezer, and my favorite recipe is actually on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, right now, if you want to check it out. And there's just something about a frozen banana. It's just a classic summertime favorite, and somehow more virtuous. <laughs> especially when you make them bite-size. I like to slice the bananas either in half lengthwise or in thick coins. Then I stick a popsicle stick into them, and I freeze them for about two to three hours until they're firm. After they're frozen, I dip them into chocolate that I've melted over a double boiler, and then you can roll them in anything you fancy, crushed nuts, sprinkles, coconut, you name it. Then another freeze for about a half an hour to set the toppings in the chocolate, and you're good to go. If you're not a chocolate fan, here's a fun alternative. You can roll the bananas in yogurt and dip them in cereal instead. But speaking of bananas, there's one classic baked item you can freeze, of course, banana bread. And this holds true for other quick breads, scones, and muffins as well. All of these can be baked as directed, cooled, wrapped, and frozen, then pulled out ahead of time to defrost before serving. Another way I've been using my freezer as a time saver and prep ahead is with pizza dough. You know how I've been obsessed with making my sourdough discard pizza crust every Friday night? I know, I have been so impressed that you've stuck to this routine. Well, one thing that's been making it easier lately is realizing I can freeze my pizza dough. So these days I double my recipe and let my dough balls go through the first rise. Then I punch them down and shape half of them and pop them into the freezer. The night before I'm ready to use them, I pull them out of the freezer to begin defrosting in the fridge. And then about one to two hours before I'm going to make my pizzas, I pull the defrosted dough out of the fridge, let it go through the second rise, and then bake as usual. And I've had success freezing my non-sourdough pizza dough without doing any rise, so I can attest that also works. It's such a time saver and such a comfort knowing that whenever you're in the mood for homemade pizza, your dough is ready and waiting. 
Stefan, do you remember how, when you were younger, you saw a Glamour magazine article that told you to always keep a <laughs> bottle of champagne in the fridge so you'd be ready for any impromptu celebration? Mm, December 1991 issue, I believe, <laughs> and a rule I still follow to this day. Well, one of my When I Grow Up pledges was to always keep cheesecake in the freezer. <laughs> My neighbors across the street ordered cheesecakes every year for holiday gifts, and they always gifted us with one. Oh my gosh, awesome neighbors. Now, they were ordering from a company called Junior's out of New York. Oh, I've had that. I've had Junior's. Mmm, yum. So good. And I'm sure other companies do this as well. I especially liked that the cheesecakes were pre-sliced with parchment between the slices. So it was really easy to just pull one slice out of the box, let it defrost a bit, And then you had this delicious piece of cheesecake ready to go. Okay, this is very Golden Girls of you. (laughs) And, you know, Andrea, those ladies were on to something. Plain cheesecake is also so easy to freshen up with a berry or chocolate sauce. Or just do like I do. Stand in front of the freezer on a hot summer day and consume your slice straight from the box with the door (laughs) open. Ah, summertime. (laughs) Listeners, what are some of your favorite desserts from the freezer? Drop us a line at host at preheatedpodcast.com or post on our Facebook listeners group. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the sprinkles on top of this episode. We release new episodes every Monday morning. And next week, we'll see if No Churn Lemon Ice Cream earns a top spot in our list of ice cream standbys. Then we'll introduce a mini cheesecake that's simple to make and serve and take a close look at the origins of the classic icebox cake. Thanks, as always, to Anne-Marie Russell for supplying our theme music. You can find Anne-Marie on Amazon and iTunes or at annemarierussell.com. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You'll also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. If you like our show, please rate, review, and recommend us on your favorite platforms. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening. Be well and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. I made this resolution so I'd always be able to pull a few unbaked cookies out of the freezer and satisfy, <clears throat> satisfy. <laughs> <laughs>